Call the meeting to order. Mrs. Troublefair, would you please call the roll? Mr. Barley? Here. Mr. Collins? Here. Mr. Fritz? Here. Dr. Hattier? Here. Mr. Douglas Hudson? Here. Mr. James Hudson? Here. Mr. Layfield? Here. Mr. Peden? Here. Dr. Statler? Here. Mrs. Wright? Here. This is the regular board meeting for the month of June, and we have a quorum. Need a motion to approve the agenda for this evening's meeting? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Need a motion to approve the regular meeting minutes of May 22nd and the executive session minutes of May 22nd. So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Special recognition, Mr. Steele. Yeah, Mr. Barley or Mr. Layfield, if you join me at the podium, please. Thank you. Good evening. Tonight's going to be a very special evening where we have the opportunity to recognize those individuals who have uh, spent an awful lot of time in our school district and gave, given us an awful lot of years of service. And I'm going to ask at this time if uh, Celeste Bunning, our Director of Personnel, would come forward. Uh, we'd like to recognize uh, those, those retirees who are with us this evening. Our first retiree, Ms. Orlean Laughlin, 16 years of service at Long Neck Elementary. If you'd like to come up. Our second retiree, Dr. Jackie Mitchell, 37 years of teaching experience, Indian River High School. And Dr. Mitchell's already agreed to come back and sub. So principal's in the back. We've got a great sub. And our third retiree, Dr. Susan Bunting, 39 years of service.
I'm going to ask our three representatives who are here this evening to help us recognize Dr. Bunning, Representative uh, Ruth Briggs-King, Representative Ron Gray, and Representative Rich Collins. Good evening, everyone. Um, tonight's a night of celebration, I think, is to honor those retirees, all of our retirees for the many years of service, and then to give some special tribute to um, one retiree who we seem to be working a lot more with these days, and that would be Dr. Susan Bunning. So um, it's my pleasure on behalf of the House, and um, Rich is up, up here with me, and Ron Gray. Ron will be filling in for the Senate tonight. Um, but to read to you a tribute, and it reads, it's from the entire, um, from all of our Southern delegation, basically. And it says, a House of Representatives, be it hereby known to all that the House of Representatives acknowledges Dr. Susan Smith Bunting, Indian River School District Superintendent, 2006 through 2017, on the occasion of her retirement from the Indian River School District. We proudly recognize this outstanding individual and applaud her for her many years of dedicated service to the educational field. Dr. Bunning has been employed with the Indian River School District a few years. <laughs> Um, first in middle school language arts teacher, as a teacher of the gifted supervisory of elementary education, as a director of instruction and superintendent, University of Delaware, and an adjunct faculty member there, as well as Wilmington College adjunct faculty member. The Reading Center, she served as a reading teacher, National School of Conservation as an instructor and textbook curriculum writer, and Montgomery County Public Schools as a third grade teacher. She has truly made a positive difference in the lives of her students. She, we wish her an enjoyable retirement. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> the House of Representatives extends its sincere congratulations and directs that this tribute be presented the 19th day of July, 2017. It's signed by the Speaker of the House, Peter Schwarzkopf, by the Chief Clerk of the House, Richard Puffer, by your representative, Richard Collins, Ronald Gray, Timothy Dukes, and myself. I'm going to go give her this and I'll just do them all at the same time. We'll do them all at the same time. Good evening, everyone. I'm Ron Gray, the uh, 38th representative. Uh, Senator Hawker and Senator Pettyjohn could not be here tonight, so I'm filling in for them. Uh, I think it's uh, fitting that. Uh, that we have a storm hitting us at the same time we're giving this award to, uh, to, to, to Dr. Bunning because that's how she hit the University School District like a storm. She, uh, uh, everyone I've ever talked to said uh, she's done all the things that she asked me to do, so I have to work hard for her because she worked very, very hard for us coming up through the ranks. So, uh, and now to be uh, the head of uh, the Education Department for uh, the State of Delaware is uh, truly a, a great honor and I'm delighted to, to read this tribute from the Senate. Be it hereby known to all, Senator Gerald W. Hawker and Senator Brian G. Pettyjohn are joined by the Senate of the 149th General Assembly in commending Susan S. Bunning, Education Doctor, Superintendent in River School District a prominent figure of the community in which she has shared of her time, talent, and expertise in the education arena. She has known many accomplishments throughout her tenure with the Indian River School District. An inspiration to so many, her genuine and unheralded contributions are to be applauded. 
Dr. Bunning has touched and enriched numerous lives along her way. Her positive and worthy impact is beyond measure. The sponsors find it most befitting Susan Bunning be recognized as an exemplary citizen of many good deeds within our first state. With gratitude and with best wishes for the bright, for the bright promise of the future, the Senate directs this tribute presented Monday, the 19th of June, 2017, as she is joined by friends, family, colleagues, and students, past and present, to celebrate the culmination of a job well done. And she keeps going. She, <laughs> like the the uh, ever ready bunny, you've uh, stepped up to even a, a bigger task with the state, and we appreciate that so much. This is signed by uh, our present pro temp, David McBride, the uh, Secretary of the Senate, uh, Bernard Brady, uh, our Senator Hawker and Senator Pettyjohn. So, and with great uh, congratulations from me, I've uh, known you seems seems like uh, forever and ever, and uh, you've just been so much uh, a presence in our education system. Thank you so much. And I just want to say very quickly, uh, it is wonderful having a good Sussex County in, in such an important position. That has not been the case uh, quite a few other years, and I think it's going to make a huge difference uh, in the next few years, and I'm really looking forward to that. So thank you, Dr. Bunny. Dr. Bunning makes a few remarks. Usually if I were on the floor, I'd ask for personal privilege, and I sort of asked the superintendent it would be all right for me to say a few words. Um, we began the day together in Lewis um, talking about the K-12 Teacher Academy. And on the way here, I was thinking about a couple things that have been said to me lately that I wanted really, I think, to pass on to the Board of Education. And that's frequently we hear so many things that aren't right or where people are dissatisfied in education and with school districts and very little do we hear the good things and so I wanted to share a couple of those with you today and that was a couple weeks ago as you know you hosted and and the district has been very responsive when we needed to have public meetings whether it be town hall forums or special education things that I've had down in Long Neck very inviting realizing that you are the center of the community and providing many services to us and I know the nights we do that it requires extra work so I wanted to say thank you but in preparation for one of the meetings 
I was joking with our governor, and I was saying, you know, it's a shame that the guys upstate can't, the charter schools just don't seem to get along. We don't seem to have some of those cha same challenges. And I think it's because when I look at the, the charter school and, and then our magnet school, it's because the people that are leading them started here. And they had built coalitions and working together. Um, and so I think that's a very strong thing to say, and for the governor to say that um, he thinks this is one of the best school districts in the state, whether he says that a lot publicly or not, he's very pleased with what he sees going on here, so I wanted to share that with you. I wanted to say I feel great pride when I'm in the schools, and I feel welcome, and, and I'm sure that if some of the principals from either Long Neck or Georgetown were here to tell you that I'm, I'm a frequent flyer, I like to go in and, and be in tune with what's going on there. But there are many good things that are happening, and I know that's because of all of you and because of the direction of the board. You don't hear that enough, and I wanted you to hear that tonight. This year and the last few weeks, I've had the Sussex Central champion wrestlers up. We've had some championship teams from Indian River as well. And a couple weeks ago, we did a special tribute to recognize the first public school to represent the state of Delaware and win at the national mock trials. And those are things that are being accomplished in public education in spite of some huge obstacles that you may have. So I want you to know how much I and other legislators appreciate this. It doesn't get said often enough. I don't know if the newspapers will report on that or not, but, um, but thank you for all you do so they can do what they do very well. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to thank the legislators for being here this evening. I do see a lot of them, and in the next seven days, I'll see a lot more of them. Uh, but I want to, um, to begin for my friends here in the audience. You know that I love Lincoln on leadership, and Lincoln has said that on the subject of education, it's the most important thing that we as a people can be engaged in. I have been blessed to be engaged in education for nearly four decades. And most of them have been right here in the Indian River School District. I want to share how grateful I am that almost 40 years ago, um, this board took a chance on a young, out-of-state teacher. I was coming from Montgomery County, Maryland, and allowed her to begin at Selbyville Middle School as a language arts teacher. Um, it's been a grand career here. I have really appreciated the opportunity to work with the students and the staff and through all those years, my passion for trying to make a difference in the life of students and staff and my administrators uh, has never waned. So to the board, I thank you for allowing me to contribute to what Indian River is now known as, and that's a model of excellence. I appreciate it and thanks. You've had a chance to hear a lot about Dr. Bunning as a leader at the state level, at the district level, but I've known her for about, oh God, too long, 30, 30, 36, 36, 37 years, and had the opportunity to teach both of her children, and I have, I've got to get to know her as well as the, the directors, the supervisors, the administrators she talks about, but beyond being the leader, being a human being, you know, if you're sick or somebody in your family is sick, you always got a call from Susan how's everybody doing or she may show up with with some food but she would always check on you to make sure everything's right if you just had a bad day she'd come in the office and sit down and she always had time to listen that's that's not what we see and that's not commonplace in today's world particularly somebody at the superintendent's level and i was left to fill her shoes and those are awful big shoes to fill and i'm not sure i'm going to get there but i'll say this as a, as a person and as a superintendent we could not have a finer human being on the face of this earth. 
So thank you. Next item on the agenda, <coughs> excuse me, is for public comment. The board allows 15 minutes at the beginning and ending of each regularly scheduled board meeting for anyone in the audience who wishes to make a public comment. Each person will be allowed to have three minutes. The uh, first speaker is uh, Joseph Koski. tonight. I'm here to represent myself, uh, basically my children. Um, I have three kids district, uh, their school choice over here. Currently, one of those kids is uh, not being accepted into the middle schools. Um, I have one at JMC, two, well, actually two currently were at JMC, uh, and one at Sussex Central High School right here. Um, I come here today to speak to the board to voice my opinion about the school choice. Um, I'm sorry, I get nervous in front of everybody. Um, my son has came over here from Laurel School District where we live. We have to make the effort every day to bring him here daily. He has excelled in everything, academically, socially. We realized exactly how far he was behind when we brought him over here. To find out that he has been denied entrance into all the middle schools over Indian River was a big blow to us this year. So we just came here. His teachers have standing behind him. I have letters of recommendations from two of his teachers, his RTI teacher at JMC and his current fifth grade teacher, Ms. Bilgram. They've said how much he has improved. He's not an issue in classes. He comes, he does his work. His scores have increased and we don't want to see him have to give up and go backwards again. We'd love for him to stay in Indian River. Uh, it is a terrific school. That's why we have all three of our children over here. I see it affords them many more opportunities, many more options to do other things. Um, my child has done the ME program over at JMC and did very well. Uh, he loves the school. He loves his teachers. He loves his friends over here. He would very much like to go to Selbyville Middle, if at all possible. Um, that's currently all I have at this particular moment in time, but I do appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come up here and speak. I do have the letters of recommendation. If I can drop them to someone, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker is uh, Joel Penson.
Yes, my name is Joel Pinson. It's a pleasure to be with you guys tonight and to uh, witness the awards. I'm from First Baptist Church, the new youth pastor there. Wanted to have a word of prayer tonight with you, if I may. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this evening. Lord, we thank you for the many lives here that represent, Lord, many years of service in the Indian School River District, Lord. And I pray that you would be with the board. I pray that you would bless those that have retired, Lord. We thank you for their hard work and service. God, I pray that you would help our community, Lord. I pray that you would help our, our county, our state, Lord, and be with the leaders, that you would guide them through every day, Lord. Guide their actions, Lord, and I pray that everything we do, Lord, would uh, be pleasing to you. Lord, we thank you so much um, for the opportunity we have to live in this great country, in this state. And I pray that you bless the proceedings tonight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Cheryl Martin. Good evening. Um, I'm Cheryl Martin. I'm the current USAPA Pickleball Ambassador for Sussex County, the co-founder and former secretary of First State Pickleball Club. I'm also a graduate of the Indy River School District and a former employee. And uh, thank you, Dr. Bunning. Um, this is a good thing. Um, it shows that learning doesn't stop. It's, it involves the children because the 10 dedicated pickleball courts at John M. Clayton are available for their use, as well as the adults in our community. Uh, we have an item um, on the agenda tonight for a vote, and it's uh, approval will help me, as I say, play it forward. I've um, been fortunate with my pickleball accomplishments, and now I help teach and, and coach um, anyone who wants to learn pickleball. So um, it all started with these 10 dedicated courts at John M. Clayton, and I want to thank the board and John M. Clayton for their approval. Uh, this morning, CBS reported that the on the financial impact of sports in areas across the country. And this silly name sport, Pickleball, was one which was featured. The US Open, a week-long tournament in Naples, Florida, this past April, brought in $1.5 million. The newscaster reported, build it and they will come. We built it with your approval and they have come. In our first year, we had a little over 263 members. In the past couple of years, we've had 600, over 600 people become part of the Pickleball Club at one time or another. Our governing organization, USAPA, now has over 200,000 members in the states. It's made a tremendously positive social and health impact on our residents, as well as a financial impact on local businesses, and it continues to grow. Our county does not have a lot for the active social adults and these pickleball courts have been a saving grace for many of them. Um, our continuing ed program fills every session and provides revenue for the Indian River School District. Vicki York, a local realtor and pickleball player, informed me, is there pickleball? A question that is asked from potential clients who want to move to the area. And she's happy to say, yes, we've got 10 dedicated courts. Um, we've partnered with CHEER and with the help of our newly appointed USAPA ambassador, uh, Nancola, they now have it. They've seen their membership grow, and CHEER has asked us to help us bring it to their other programs, so their membership will also increase. Um, 
to think it all started with the help of the board and John and Clayton, and we want to say thank you. <clears throat> thank you. Three total. Is there anyone else in the audience who wishes to make a public comment? Okay. New business. School choice applications, Mr. Lewis. Good evening, President Barley, board members. Uh, this evening for board approval, have a total of 63 school choice applications. 48 of those have been accepted and 15 have been rejected due to capacity. Do you have any questions? Mr. Um, Byerly, I have a couple. Sorry. Okay. okay. For North Georgetown, um, Mr. Lewis, what is the capacity of the first grade for North Georgetown? I have the capacity only for the building in front of me. I have maybe Mr. Rodriguez is here can answer that question for you. However, the building capacity for North Georgetown, the projected for North Georgetown for 17-18 school year is a total of 896 students. And this was as a result of the uh, report that uh, Mr. Steele had to do in November. So I'm sure those numbers have changed. So are we over capacity in that building? Yes. Okay. So I'll ask again for first grade, what is the capacity of that grade level? I'd like to ask Mr. Rodriguez if he's still here. Come up, please. I currently have 141 students okay. with the five uh, accepted applicants. It put me at 146. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, we, we probably would be requesting a class size waiver due to co-teaching. Um, I don't know that number off the top of my head, though. What class? So in that building, how many students are we over capacity total? I'm currently at 886. OK. I'm under by 10. You're under by 10 total. Currently, I'm at 886, yes. Okay. Four. Four under. Okay. So, so did I get an answer about, for first grade, what the capacity was? You because you're asking for a waiver, so you're over what we would normally put in a first grade classroom, correct? Right. Okay. So. Are, are we over by five? In first grade? Correct. I, I would have to, I really don't know what the capacity would be in first grade. So I feel uncomfortable accepting those students if we're over capacity in that grade level. Okay. And you don't know that number. I have a question. How many first grade classes are there? Six. And how many are in an average classroom? Currently, we have about uh, 25 and 26 in those classrooms. This would put me around 25 per classroom. Three at 25 and three at 24. Okay, so your capacity is around 150 then, basically. About. Okay. And you said you had 141? Plus the five, so it's 146. But you are asking for a waiver? I would assume yes, due to co-teaching across the board. 
Okay. So these students are out of district as well, except for one, correct? Yes. Okay, thank you. Mr. Baden. What is the current enrollment of Sussex Central High School? Thank you. Again, uh, Mr. Peden, uh, going back to the November uh, building capacity report, the capacity at Sussex Central, <coughs> the building capacity is a total of 1,500. 1617 enrollment, uh, 1622. The 1718 projection is 1640. And Dr. Layfield, I think, is still here. He can probably, if you have any additional numbers, you can share. Okay. But I thought it was my understanding we were not going to accept any more if we exceeded capacity. Again, that's a board decision, sir. I do have a question. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. The same. This, it's along the same lines because it's every one of them that we have. If we're over capacity in the school itself, no matter what the grade is, the school itself is over capacity. So I looked at the report that you gave me, Pep, um, a couple, I mean, I think it was a week ago, whenever it was. So it appears that we have a lot of these that we're still accepting are already over. Looking long range, and I, and I would put this out here, and I don't have any qualms about doing it. We're looking somewhere in the future of having to build new schools and to add on to schools. Adding on to a school because we're bringing someone in from another district, I do not believe is in our best interest. I think we're going down the same road as one of our counterparts did a few miles away from here not too many years ago, and we know what, what that caused. So I, for one, am not in favor will not be in favor of accepting anyone in any of our schools that are that are already over capacity. And I know we have to make provisions for those that are in the district that are in that area. But we don't have to make provisions for them that are in the district, that are in the southern part of the district, that want to come to the northern part of the district or vice versa. Mr. Hudson. Mr. Lewis, I, I wanted to follow up from the last meeting. Um, the five students, I don't know these names, so it doesn't mean anything to me. I see five students, first grade. Did those students go to the Georgetown Kindergarten Center last year? What school are you talking about? Mr. North Georgetown. Georgetown. North Georgetown. You're talking from the last, last board meeting? I, I brought this up at the last board meeting. I just wondered if these students who are being accepted in first grade at North Georgetown, were they students at the Georgetown Kindergarten Center. At, from North Georgetown, uh, that is incorrect. They are out of district students. And from the last board meeting. Now the question is, did they attend kindergarten at the Georgetown Kindergarten Center last year? Or this year, I guess, with the year we just finished. <clears throat> Wouldn't they be considered feeder pattern if that was the case, Mr. Lewis? If Mr. Lewis picks up the names for me, I can look to see if I can identify them. I know Mr. Hudson brought up the Georgetown Kindergarten Center at last month's board meeting, 
And I did take school choice students last year, and I have eight students on the list currently for kindergarten. At this point, we are not at our capacity. Our capacity is 285 students. As of today, we are 217 students registered for kindergarten. Um, most out of the eight, I've talked to six of the eight families, and they're all families that are looking for daycare or have had their children in daycare since they were infants until the current time and work in Georgetown and trying to move daycare. And we do have the policy where students in kindergarten and adult must be at the bus stop. Um, and most of them are afraid if they go to their home district and are not a school choice to kindergarten. Um, my main talking point is this is a one year only that there are large capacity issues in both Georgetown and North Georgetown and because you're in you are accepted for kindergarten doesn't mean you'll be accepted for first grade it could very well be a one and done situation and that we do send letters starting in January when school choice applications are due to the families saying that you were accepted at school choice you will need to contact your former your, your location of intent and you you know, are not guaranteed entrance into either location. I also spoke to Mr. Stong at Georgetown, and I spoke to Mr. Rodriguez at North prior to recommending um, students. Um, with the budget cuts and the state of financial affairs, I'm trying to keep my staff that, um, I lost many staff members last year and have lost several this year based on unit projections, and I'm hoping to meet enough that, students that, to keep what I you've have. You've answered a lot of the questions I had. That's good. Okay. Well. Um, I, so these kindergarten kids that are coming to the kindergarten center, they've all been told it's a one right up now front that you are not guaranteed to be in North Georgetown it, or Georgetown I talked to six year. out of eight and have left messages on the other two because I know North Georgetown is beyond capacity or at capacity and certainly spoke to Mr. Rodriguez about this and Mr. Stong and wanted them to know because you can come to kindergarten doesn't mean you're guaranteed any, any additional time in our district. I, I know you mentioned the, sending the letter out in January, but have they, they know now before they ever come to your school that that's not a guarantee the, that the, I'm going to get. The two secretaries who register kids both have their names posted up against the wall by their desks and know if they do come in to give them the spiel that you are a one-time deal and when you go to first grade it may be different. Okay, yeah, and I, I'm not hearing everything you're saying, but please excuse me if I'm belaboring okay. this issue. I know I have raspy allergy have you, have, voice. Has there been a per personal face-to-face -face conversation with these parents to tell them that? Not personal face-to-face. -face. It's been through the phone to speak to them in a phone well, conversation. Okay, but, okay. but you, you know that the, you have spoken to these parents in some way on a personal level to make sure they understand this is not a guarantee. Yes. Okay. That, so the, <clears throat> go back to the other one there, uh, Mr. Lewis. Are those students, were they at the Georgetown Kindergarten Center last year? Yes. Uh, the, fir you want uh, the first one, yes. It has a sibling there at the uh, at that complex in North Georgetown, and the second one yes. is also uh, has a district out of district sibling, and the third one is an employee's child, and the fourth one is also an employee's child. So they all went to the Georgetown Kindergarten Center. Two of the two four. Of, okay. Two of the four. Um, and I, you'd have to refresh my memory on the 
you know, what comes first, second, third, and all that, but how many students went to Georgetown Kindergarten Center last year and are, and are not, or not, have not been accepted at Georgetown or North Georgetown? Mr. Hudson, I would have to sit down and look at all the, the names, because there are several names here, and I'll have to sit I, down I, and I can give I, you that report. I was understanding it was about eight kids that were hanging out there. There's a total of, a total of eight kids, correct. But not, you're saying these aren't the eight kids that I'm referring to? No, you're referring to the original right. four. So five. there's still kids out there who went to the kindergarten center last year who are being told they're not going to be allowed to come to Georgetown or North Georgetown. We have one right now that's on the wait list. So I, I just like, I'm going to let this go, but I just want to make sure these parents understand this because to bring a kindergarten kid for one year doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I, I just well, and when you talk to them, it's daycare, and, no, I, and I as a mother, I understand. But you know, they, you think of your five-year-old coming to a, a school, and then new school, new location, and then daycare as well. When sure. they've been at daycare, and I'd, I'd like to make the comment though that we're not a daycare, and I understand. Oh, I know we're not. A I understand what you're saying, but I made provisions for my daughter when she went to kindergarten and elementary, and. I think what Mr. Hudson is saying and what a lot of our concerns are, we're already overcrowded. We need to be extremely careful when we're accepting kids from other school districts and making ourselves even more overcrowded. And then it's the citizens in our district that have to pay the tax bill to build buildings. I'm not yet at capacity. I'm fighting to but get it, to capacity. That it tends we, to move up the line, though. If, if you have been to Georgetown, I have signs with uh, posters that I put in both languages on the telephone poles. So I've been waiting for the, thank goodness we have a good relationship with the police department um, because I want to get to my capacity. And this year, they're not there yet. I know the Hispanic population doesn't always come to register early, as does the English-speaking families. I'm trying to get the pockets educated that you need to come before the school buses roll. That, that's a that's a good goal and I, I'm not don't I'm, don't take it so, as a criticism no, I'm just I saying just, that I bring a kid Mr. I mean even though it's kindergarten I understand all the reasons you're saying it's, it's going to be the same thing the following year and they're going to be sent back somewhere else which that doesn't make sense to me but I understand what you're trying to do don't don't take this as criticism because well, I know and I, I've I talked guess, to Mr. Steele and I've talked to Mr. Lewis about this yeah, I, which, I just which way I would hope go. that there's a conversation going on between the three principals Yes, Georgetown, North Georgetown, because I would hope that these kids, if they're coming to Georgetown Kindergarten Center, they're going to be able to go to North Georgetown or Georgetown. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me otherwise. We're the only town where the kindergarten kids can't go to the next first grade as a school choice kid. All the other schools, they get accepted kindergarten level and they're in for five years. Well, and I'm and probably the only, I am the only school that's a one and done. Right. That's I have the saying. kids this for is, one year a, and we're done. This is the only school in the district that's like this. So we've got to be very careful mm -hmm. as we move forward. Whatever you all decide is what we'll do. We're okay. not at capacity I, I yet. I don't so have anything else. You, Thank you. What, whatever you all decide is what we'll do. I've my, been on the fence. My comments are not just strictly related to you, so please don't take them that no, way. No. Um, I'm in favor of a lot of our buildings not being at capacity. I don't, think anything, I don't think it has to be a goal to fill the building to capacity. No, but your, your staffing depends on how many students you have. And this is the fourth year of the kindergarten center. And as, as all of you know, it has decreased each year that this yeah. year was the lightest. And 
you know, I, I've heard why Georgetown is decreasing. There's a lot of, you know, political things going on in the community that make the families nervous and they're leaving. Um, so you've established the kindergarten center and I love it there. I, do, I hate to see it disband or all the different rumors you hear about it. So hopefully we can keep it going. And I appreciate your support of the kindergarten center. Anyone else have questions? Yes, sir. Mr. Lewis, can you define capacity? Per grade level and building capacity. Building that, capacity, please. Building capacity tells us that 85%, for example, grade level, grade, they tell us that each grade level or program that you have is at 85%. That's what the state tells us we have to do, per Wait. grade level <clears throat> or program. For example, here at uh, Sussex Central High School with mm -hmm. your IB program, for example, mm -hmm. I'm not sure what Dr. Layfield's numbers are right now, but um, you know he can certainly take students for that particular program if needed. So when we talk about capacity. There's no no there's no risk of liability because we have more students, <laughs> such as the capacity of a gymnasium's 500. If you fill it with 550, and there's an incident that happens, and the fire marshal or somebody would look into it, we're two two different numbers. We're 85 percent of the maximum capacity in the school is the is the number that we're talking about that right? is correct that's what the state does um, through all the districts okay uh, they let them know they can have 85 percent capacity uh, within each grade level program um, and that's something that mr steele and i have talked about do we set a certain number do we say uh, with the agreement with the principals do we say we accept students to our building or grade level or program gets to 88 or 89 percent depending on what the principal wants because as you can see we have some buildings that over capacity and we have some buildings um, that and grade levels that are under capacity the matrix that you use with the tier levels of acceptance you know that that obviously an in-district student then an in-district from a different school in the district I, I knew you have that matrix and quite often I'm asking questions sure. because I don't have it to memory is there a way for that matrix to be uploaded each board meeting so we can look because looking at this at a snapshot I see out of the 25 if you eliminate the um, Southern Delaware School of the Arts. There's 25 students here we're accepting, five of which are employee students. And I, and I value our employees. I feel as if they should be the next tier. And I don't know what ranks. Does a sibling outrank a employee's child? They Does do. a feeder program? They do. The state uh, mandates the first four uh, okay. priorities. Uh, the first being returning students. For example, if uh, Dr. Layfield has a student here, and they decide to move to another attendance territory or out of district, uh, they can apply for school choice and they within be, building. Within building. They will be a returning student. Priority number one. Okay. Priority number two are students for our programs, such as the IB programs, um, the students who um, the immersion programs, they are student and priority number two. And then the state tells us <laughs> that we have to do in district siblings first and then out of district siblings. And then at that point, we set our own priority beginning with number five, children of school employees. So sibling actually, the, the blanket sibling in or out of district trumps an employee, and that's dictated to us by the state guidelines. That is correct. I disagree with the state on that. I value our employees enough to try to trump that, but I, we, we can't correct that here. Correct. Uh, thank you for that clarity. Mr. Yeah. Lewis. Yes, just another question. So what's the capacity of Sussex Central High School? 1,500. I'm sorry? The total capacity is 1,500. And how many students do we have enrolled at Sussex Central High School? The 1617 enrolled was 1622. Okay. So we're over by? 122. 122. 122. 
but if you're, you're still saying capacity is 85%. So when I say that to you, you're giving me the 85% number? Or are you saying this building can hold that many students and we're over by 122? We are over 122 by building capacity. Okay. By building capacity. And okay. Mr. Steele, I think I, I know you do this report. I think you use that 85% for building capacity, not okay. per grade level. No, by building capacity only. Right. So we are accepting students, for instance, into this building that we are cr overcrowded. We're over by 122 students. We're over by 122 students in this building currently. Okay. However, I will caution, we have the rollover coming up about the first week of um, July. July. So right now, what we have moving from one school to another school, for example, the ninth graders coming in here, uh, we will not know for sure until that rollover takes place of exactly what that number is going to be. Could be more. So with that and it being could be said, less. we have four ninth graders coming into Sussex Central High School. Three from Laurel, one from Indian River. Correct? Correct. So yes, if we don't know those numbers, why would we accept those students at this point? Because I know we've had conversations before about perhaps a 10th grader or 11th grader, you know, not wanting to take them out of the building because we would be separating them from their friends and social groups. And I, I understand that. But at that ninth grade level, when they're coming in, why would we not take that opportunity to reevaluate at that point? Has there been any discussion about that? No discussion, no ma'am. No, so we just keep adding. Correct. We just keep adding and adding and adding. Okay. If, if the principal recommends uh, these school choice applications be accepted or denied, that's what we that's what we present to the board. So, Mr. Layfield, could you answer what would be the reason that you would accept those students at the ninth grade level instead of waiting until those numbers are completed? Of the four students, I do believe that two or three of them were currently in our feeder patterns. However, two. Two okay. are in the feeder pattern, two are siblings. Two of which, and without looking at the applications in front of me, the other two I do believe showed interest in our International Baccalaureate program, which is it's kind of a double-edged double sword. Our International Baccalaureate program, we're looking to grow and we're looking to build it. Uh, obviously, the school capacity is you know, exceeded at this point in time. Mm -hmm. But we have very, very small classrooms in our IB program, and in looking to grow that program, once I deny a student based on building capacity, I cannot accept any other student thereafter if I say we're at our capacity. So it, as a school, we have far greater than 1,500 students. As an IB program, which we're trying to build, and many, many of our students, other than um, students coming to us from our feeder patterns that were already school choice accepted in middle school, are coming to us primarily for the IB program. Once I utilize capacity as a way to say no to any student, um, then it shuts the doors to anyone that can come in to build our IB program. I do deny students, but we, we scrutinize you know, discipline referrals and attendance records to the point where I have denied school choice based on students who um, haven't even violated what would be the equivalent of our, uh, our attendance policy, but would be getting very close to it. As little as you know, two office referrals, because it says a pattern of, um, of, of disciplinary incidents. But I have not denied students based on capacity, knowing that the, the great number of students that come to us new and out of district are applying for our IB program. 
which is is our flagship program that we're trying to build. Can I just I, I remember Mr. Peden brought this up that we were talking about Sussex Central and we had a discussion about accepting students because of programs and IB was one of the main programs. But I don't see IB on any of these and I, I heard you say that a couple might be interested but haven't they been already I guess that process not been completed. So these four, four, all four of them, it appears above above this. That's correct. There's, they were the ones that were accepted. Okay. All right. So the ones highlighted in green are for this evening that are not IB students. So there's no IB students on this list. There are not. Okay. All right. But because I remember the conversation that we had that we wanted to keep the IB program going and, and there was maybe another program, I don't know, and that we would, would consider accepting school choice to strengthen those programs. But I'm not seeing that on this sheet here. And I guess my question too along that same line is at what point in time are we going to stop being overcrowded because of a program? within the school so you sit here and you say this now you know you say it's IB program it's this program so you know we've had this happen in the past and we've heard it's happened in the past the, the student will say oh well, the only way I can get in here is then I have to apply to be and I have to be in the IB program well that's not necessarily true but that's a way to get them in the door that's not even a program that they were interested in the same way and we hear it it's it, it's heard out in the public. You know, we've got people that are transferring here, and we've got people that are transferring here because of sports. Well, I'm sorry, but education comes before that. But if you're going to say, in order for you to be able to come here and play a sport at Sussex Central, you're going to have to be in an IB program or a program which puts us way, way over capacity, that's not right. I mean, our obligation is education in the beginning, and everything else follows after that my personal opinion but if we keep saying IB so so for example we're a hundred and some over now or thereabouts if in order to strengthen the IB program we need 20 more people we're going to overlook the fact that we're 120 already over and we're going to add to that capacity something just doesn't add up Mr. Lewis the other, the other thing that, that kind of jumps out at me and maybe I'm wrong please correct me if I am Sussex Central's over but we're accepting two feeder pattern kids North Georgetown and Georgetown Elementary are over but we are not accepting some feeder pattern kids that seems to be a conflict I, I don't know could be wrong say that again in at Sussex Central we're except we're over capacity we're accepting two kids because they went to I don't know, Millsboro, Georgetown Middle School, I don't know which. Yet, we look at the kindergarten center, we have kids who cannot get into North Georgetown or Georgetown, that's still a feeder program. So there's a, something wrong here. I'm not getting a picture. And my question, this, this isn't for Dr. Layfield, this is uh, Pat for you. Am I correct, forgive my ignorance, feeder pattern here, we're talking about kids, they're not in our district, but they went to middle school in our district, so the high school sees them as a feeder pattern. That is correct. Yes. That's a false feeder pattern, in my opinion. They aren't district kids. And 
What I'd like to point out, going back to the kindergarten idea, is that you may have a conversation with these parents, but it's not in writing and they don't remember it the next year when they go to reapply and they're upset if they don't get in. It seems to be a pattern that once we let them in, they kind of stay in, the majority of them. And we're, we have areas in this district that are overcrowded. And, you know, we've added on numerous teachers over the past few years. We've grown by numerous uh, students. You know, I don't know how to, re I don't know how to realign this program the other one, the other with the state's guidelines on it. I just think we have to be very careful because we're the ones that are paying the extra tax dollars and going to the uh, citizens for the, uh, I mean, we'd like to educate every child, but we don't have space for every child. That's what other school districts and their buildings are for. Mr. Lewis, um, has there been any discussion about, you said the state defines it as 85%, so has there been any discussion about us following that 85% guideline as a way to Actually, um, Dr. Statler, you're going to see that capacity of 85% disappear um, with the 18, 19 uh, school choice applications. Okay. That's going to go away. I know Mr. Steele has a briefing on that. Okay. Uh, so you're not going to see that number anymore. Um, and that is, again, for the 18, 19 school year. Okay. Mr. Lewis, my last question, just out of curiosity. What, I guess there's no issue if we reject a child in one building, but they're not rejected in another building for the exact same reason. So for example, this feeder pattern, we've got some that are accepted and some that are rejected. So that's not an issue. No, sir, you could, we could break this down per building if that's, what, if that's how you want to vote. That's again up to the board. Um, and back to your first question, uh, Mr. Fritz, that you had earlier, you talked about these students who are in the, in the feeder pattern. According to our priorities, our district student, they are priority number six. They come directly after the um, employees' children. And out of district, uh, students currently enrolled in the kindergarten program going to the next level, they are priority number 11 for non-district students. So there is a separation. We do take our in-district students first for the, for the feeder pattern, and then our out-of-district students uh, that are already, for example, in the middle school, they want to go to a high school, they are classified as uh, number 11 on priority. So would it be safe to say that a principal would reject a so-called feeder pattern child because of other issues? There's issues with that child? As long as you don't say, for example, you reject a priority number six, you can't j jump over and pick up a priority number seven in that spot, if you follow me. You have I, to follow your priorities. So we could make a motion tonight that we accept the eight siblings and the five employees, which would cut this list in half, and still be legally correct with the guidelines set I, forth by the district? What I would do, um, Mr. Layfield, what I would do is go per building. Uh, you have that document in front of you and um, vote on each building separately. And that way you can separate out uh, the students that you feel that will need to be at uh, Indian River School District. Which would be fine as long as we had the information that says the over and the under. And the last report I have, I think I, you, you folks have a copy of that that I gave. Um, and I have it in front of me. I can go over it with you again. Well, I'm just saying it was a, the one we sure. had, I think, was 16, it, 17. So we're in the 17, 18 now. Correct. So it's going and that report does not have to be generated again until um, November 30th. 
unfortunately. I, I hate to belabor this, but I'm, I'm just really curious when I'm looking at this. So like Millsboro Middle, we've got one feeder pattern accepted, but another feeder pattern rejected. And for the one that's rejected, it's got the letter C for capacity. Correct. So what is How's the capacity that? of the sixth grade at Millsboro Middle? Well, how can one be accepted and the other be rejected when they're both feeder patterns? Because in 1617, you report they were already over 124. So unless we lost considerable from middle school going to the high school, we're still over. Correct. So for sixth grade, what's the capacity? That, you don't uh, know Dr. that. Dr. Stout, I don't know that number. Is I'm, Dr. Jerns here? I'm not sure. I haven't seen her. Uh, Mr. Lewis, yes. If your suggestion, I'm, I'm curious. Could you just like East, just as a sample? I'm just asking, like East Millsboro. We have, we've got that in front of us. We've got the list. Where's their capacity? Or you know, where where is their capacity? And do they have room to take the kids? And how would that work in with East Millsboro? As far as voting on these students. I'm sorry? As far as voting to accept these students? I'm, I'm just wondering that capacity? If, we, if we decided to take your recommendation and go school by school, how would this work for East Millsboro? East Millsboro right now is showing that they are over capacity as of our last year 16-17 capacity report. Now I'm not sure if uh, Ms. Dorman's numbers have changed um, since then. Ms. Dorman, she is here I think. They're the same. So, so for Spanish immersion we have how many classrooms? Ms. Dorman have two classrooms, is that correct? Two classrooms. With how many students in each? current school year I had 26 in each but I'm only hoping to accept a total of 52 so we have put out the applications and everybody's been notified only 43 have accepted so we're waiting for nine to return the letters or the contracts so, Ms. Dorman, and just because if people ask me I you know an answer we've got five Spanish immersion three are rejected for capacity two are accepted why were the two accepted but the th other three rejected? Did those two get in before the capacity got to its limit? The two that are accepted? I mean, because I'm the one that the public will call and say, well, my child didn't get in, but someone else's did. Right, so when the applications were turned in, the first 52 are the ones that I accepted. Okay, so, the, so it could, say, could be safe to say in this case, those two that are accepted are in under the... Umbrella, and then the other ones are on the wait list okay. if the others do not accept. So, so if those nine do not accept that you're waiting on, then you will do a lottery with the remaining? Absolutely. Okay. So that, that rejected Spanish emergency is because of the program, not because of the school. But the school is over already. Well, I th yes. We, I mean, our numbers are up um, at the same as they were last year. Um, but I'm always conservative in kindergarten because we don't have everybody registered at this point. So did I hear you say that the one, the Spanish immersions that were rejected are on hold? Did I hear you say or did I misunderstand that? Right. So the first 52 applications that came in, I accepted. Right. So of those 52, 43 have accepted and returned the contract. I'm right. waiting for nine. 
So the rest were rejected because it, they came in after those applications were accepted. And so they'll be on a wait list until I know if those nine are coming. Okay. Uh, I, okay. So I, I'm, I, this is just a semantics probably. Could we put them there as a waiting list instead of reject? Or we can't do that? Okay, that's fine. That's all I wanted to know. How about Georgetown Elementary? What would that look like? Where are they? They're, they've rejected both, so that's not even an issue for them. Georgetown Elementary is over capacity. Okay. Kindergarten Center. I think we've got a pretty good explanation about right. that, yes, I guess. Sir. Lord Baltimore. They are under capacity. Okay. All right, I, I just wanted a few examples. Right. Thank you. I, I think I, I, with the conversation that I'm hearing here, I, maybe what we should do tonight is just to um, reject these school choice applications, and we'll have some conversation on exactly how you want these presented uh, per grade level, per school. I was going to I was going to ask if there was an opportunity to put this on hold until we had a chance to discuss it. I don't know if that's even if that opportunity even exists, I don't know. Since it's all on the agenda, I have no idea. Make a motion to table. I would make that motion if, I would make a motion to table this until we can have further discussion. I, I don't know how many people. Is there a second to the motion? Second. Motion made and second. Any further discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Table. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. The next item is uh, field trip summary report, Mr. Steele. Uh, yes, every year we have to, at the end of the school year in June, supply the board with a uh, field trip summary sheet. And what we have uh, presented this evening uh, is the number of field trips. Um, also, the second column, number of overnight field trips that we have taken this year. Some of these trips, if they're involving, like the TSA, BPA, those sort of organizations would be dealing with those types of overnight trips when they go to competitions as well. They're included in, the, in these. Any questions? Okay. Next item is uh, <clears throat> DSBA dues. You received a letter this evening when you came in that uh, School Boards Association is asking us if we would like to be a membership participant for the coming year. If we do so, it's going to cost us $14,748. No. They save us $2 million in its sustainment. We'll think about it. Yep. Is there a motion? No motion to deny. No motion made. No motion made. No motion? Okay. To, we're to do what? We're not Nothing. doing it? We're not okay. No, no motion. motion. Okay. The, the, next four, the next four items on the agenda were talked about at the building and grounds meeting. Mr. Booth. Yes, thank you, Mr. President. Um, the, um, the first issue we have, this district's been blessed um, by the uh, scouting uh, in our district, and this is a request uh, to do an Eagle Scout project at uh, Georgetown. It's actually should read Georgetown Middle School. It is a habitat area that's in back of the Polborn in the uh, uh, southwest corner of the property. 
Um, it has a, uh, well, you can't see it now. It's been, there's overgrowth, uh, and it's in need of uh, repair um, and to be fixed up. And this scout, his name is uh, Jackson Curatola, uh, presented at Buildings and Grounds, and the suggestion was to bring it uh, to the board for consideration. Mr. Barley. Okay, one of the things he brought up, one of the plants he wanted to put in was uh, several holly trees. And on that one, I have a lot of holly trees in my own yard. And at a certain point in spring, you got a great way for, you know, holly leaves to start poking holes in anything and everything. They're a bloody mess. I, I support the project, being a scout leader myself, and I love it, but I am not keen on the idea of planting any more holly trees. I just... Well, and I, I, I objected at the board at the, the meeting the other night too. Yeah, Did he come back with an alternative to that? Yeah, Dr. Hattier, I believe um, he's still in the planning stages of this and uh, was looking for approval, but uh, we can we can discuss that with him. I really think you need to discuss that with him because if you've got young kids around, I'm telling you, I got a lot of holly trees, mm -hmm. and they're a mess. Okay, they're just a mess, and I and I like arboreal science. Mr. Booth, do you think that, that wouldn't be a big issue for him to pick something else, would it? I, I would think not. I wouldn't either. Yeah. I don't think so either, but I just want it on the record um, up front. That's all. And I, I don't know if classes go out there for science projects or anything, but the current location is way far out where most students don't even go near. That's but correct. Part of the idea, though, is to make it so that they can go out there. That was the way it was presented. And that's normally what the scouts would do, is they just wouldn't fix something up just for the heck of it. They would fix it up in such a way that it could be used as a learning experience or that people could get a hands-on experience with it. Yeah, this scout is just going to rehab the existing habitat. He had no connection or involvement in, uh, in the location. Right. And I, I dare say, I'm, I don't know if he's present. Is he here? I didn't see him. No. Okay. Um, thank you, Mike. You want to make a motion that we approve it without the holly trees? I, I'm fine with that. Okay. I make a motion that we approve it without holly trees. That's second. Your second. Okay. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That's unanimous. The next item is the uh, Georgetown Elementary Pond reconstruction quotes. Yes. Um, board members should have in their packet a uh, quote tally sheet uh, that was presented to buildings and grounds. Um, the reason why this reconstruction is taking place is that the current um, construction project with Georgetown Elementary has failed, um, according to uh, Delaware Department of Natural Resources and since we had signed an agreement uh, to uh, make sure that the system will work in terms of stormwater uh, the district is obligated uh, according to them to pay uh, to have it fixed um, this board approved CDA engineers to design uh, the fix for the reconstruction of the pond if you will um, that was, um, we asked for quotes according to uh, what was designed by CDA. Uh, the quotes came in. The lowest bidder was Anderson Projects. 
and that is my recommendation to the board tonight. Mr. Booth, uh, you've had some interaction, I believe, uh, with DENREC about this issue uh, since our building ground meeting. Could you share that with the board, please? Yep. Yes. We're, there were several questions that were asked um, at the committee meeting. Um, uh, one of the questions was asked, what happens if we do not approve this quote to redo the pond? Um, and I suggested that there would, at that meeting, that there would be fines per day um, and possible issues for who signed the paperwork. Elaine Webb, who is the uh, engineer for and uh, director of the Sediment Stormwater Program, if you do not reconstruct, and I'm quoting from her email, if you do not reconstruct the pond, the school district would be subject to enforcement in the form of an order, uh, penalty, etc. The plan approval was based on a functioning stormwater best management practices, which at this time you do not have. The order would likely include reconstructing the basin in accordance with the revised plan, um, which is what is presented to you from Anderson Projects. The, the second question that I asked, what happens if the fix does not work? I said there was a strong possibility that DENREC will move towards an alternative, but it will be at our expense. This incidentally went over like a pop balloon. I'm sorry, that's what I put in my email. She responded, the regarding of the, of the, of the pond and the insulation of the low flow orifice will alleviate the lengthy ponding inside the pond when the downstream system is functioning. That is the tax ditch that leads out of Cinderbury 3 that the pipe going across the field is connected to. If the downstream channel is backed up seasonally, there, was, there still may be water held in the pond on the site. This is more of a regional drainage problem with the outlet. Um, on the third question, have alternatives been considered? I believe, and I answered, I believe that we have to the extent of what we already have in place. Uh, and she wrote, I agree with your response to the third and fourth points. The fourth point I asked, why was the second and only other bid $24,000 higher? My answer is that they built it the first time and it had multiple issues, wanted it worth their time to do over it again. If you recall, everybody, Denrec, Becker Morgan, and maybe IRSD to a lesser extent, tried to pin the failure on them. Uh, this question is less urgency because I should ask Timmy Thompson, who was the owner of Thompson Construction. Uh, so I tried to uh, research some of the questions that were asked to me at buildings to, and grounds. Mr. Booth, am I correct or am I wrong in that DENREC approved the first plan? Right. Yes, they did. Okay, so I don't know if our officials are, elected officials are still here. Oh, they conveniently left. Uh, this is the kind of issue that we now have to spend money on and no guarantee they're going to approve it this time either. Mm -hmm. I mean, the state, they here they want to fine us. I know it's not you, but I'm looking at you talking. They want to fine us for not fixing it. They're the ones that approved the first plans. Have we spoken to our nice officials who like to show up to give, you know, awards, but uh, could put a little pressure on DENREC? Because I'd like to have something in writing from DENREC that says, we're going to submit a plan to them. They're going to approve it. We build it to that plan. They can't come back on us and want us to fix it a third time. Uh, they're well aware of our issues with the pond. But Denrec's not willing to put that in writing. 
the elected officials are well aware. No, but uh, but but. Then, uh, <coughs> no. Yeah. Because See, did you not say to us, Joe, in that meeting that night that we would pay another forty some odd thousand dollars, and there's still no guarantee that it's going to work the second time? And the comment was, maybe we should force the hand and let it go and let them say they're going to fine us so that it gets the publicity, and we go back and we say we already spent forty some thousand dollars and put the plan. In, put it in the way the plan was written and it didn't work. It's not our responsibility. I think I, paying 44 more thousand dollars to appease them and then have the possibility of it not working and we still stand there, I don't agree with it. Well, I don't, I, I, I want to be accurate here. I don't think Miss um, Webb uh, thinks that this plan is going to fail. I don't think she thought the first one was going to fail when she signed off on it either. Agreed. Okay. Uh, agreed. Um, but there was discussion at Buildings and Grounds, as I recall, um, of whether, whether or not we already have an investment with engineers here. We have a bid. Um, uh, so it's, it's in the board's hands at this point. How, how are we responsible if the tax ditch, which isn't our responsibility to keep in, condi in workable condition, because, and I think in the email you read, there was a comment made about, you know, water could be backed up uh, from that drainage source, which is the tax ditch. So if the tax ditch is not kept up, which is not our responsibility, and then it comes back on our pond, then it falls back on our shoulders again. You're correct. Um, we are not responsible for the tax ditch. However, um, when we see uh, drainage not working, as in uh, the parking lot issue that we had with the 125-year storm. Um, went out and looked at that and had more water, more water than what the tax ditch could hold. Um, I also traced the pond during the height of that storm and found that it was flowing all the way out past the prison. There was just more water to the ditch banks. It was full to the, to the ditch bank. Uh, we currently are getting the area cleaned out between Incendiary 3, um, and uh, it is an ongoing maintenance issue that is the responsibility of the Tax Ditch Committee. And, but as citizens, whether it's your house or whether it's the Indian River District, it's our responsibility to let them know that it's, that it's not working. And in this particular case, we are contributing to uh, having the, the one in cleaned out. That's not the issue of why this failed the first time, in my opinion. Okay. My opinion is that this failed the first time because there was inadequate, inadequate results and in, in expectations of what they hoped was going to go into the ground at the pond site. They underestimated the clay soils of Georgetown. Okay. That makes sense. And, and what carried it out was a structure the Mr. Steele saw that's about yeah. 20 to 24 inches higher than what the ground level is of that pond. So any water, 125-year storm, which you're probably hearing about. Hey, you might want to check the pond tonight. Yeah, you, you might, has never flowed into there. Has never flowed because it's it's too hot. And uh, that these what the CDA looked at was correcting that issue. Mm -hmm. So. I, I don't believe they pointed to the tax ditch as one of the failures. That's not the failure. Okay. It's, it's the pond itself that you can't, you, you do not have the infiltration that you want or expect there. Most people in the private sector would take an auger, 
and drill down below the clay surface and would never see a problem. Um, this, is not a, this is not an option. I'm saying this with a smile. This is not an option with the Delaware stormwater regulations. Anyone else? But that's, that's the issue with, with Georgetown drainage. It's a swamp with clay soils. <clears throat> Mr. Booth, our history with Anderson projects, successful? Uh, the only one that I've had with them is, is Indian River. And uh, I was quite pleased, and I, I believe Indian River High School was pleased with the work uh, that they did. Uh, they were timely. They came back and took a look at concerns, and uh, I, was, I was happy with them. What was the project at Indian River? Was that the drainage with drainage, the football field? Drainage and uh, um, building up the catch basins, the six catch basins that are around the, the field. And that project was bid high by a lot of others. Yeah, it's, we don't get he, inexpensive projects anymore, Marshall Layfield. But he was reasonable and was a low bidder on that one. We saw success, correct? He, he was actually, we had a price before, but nobody submitted a price. Okay. He was the only one that submitted a price. Um, and Anyone that else was engineered by Duffield Associates. Is there a motion? Oh, and I, I did get an answer back. I need to point this out in public. I did get an answer back from Kroll, and Kroll was too busy. They did send me an, an email, so I have something on paper, um, and they uh, were not interested in bidding at this time due to their work schedule. So I do have the three quotes. So the low bid is? The low bid I have is Anderson Projects at uh, 43,600. 43,000, okay. Compared to 67,965 at Thompson Sons. I make a motion to accept Anderson projects. Is there a second? Okay. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? No. Need to pull the board, please. Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? No. Mr. Fritz? No. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Doug Hudson? Yes. Mr. James Hudson? Yes. Did you say yes? Yes. yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Dr. Statler? No. Mrs. Wright? No. Six yes, four no, and zero abstention. Six, six yes? Six yes. Okay. Motion passes by a majority vote. Next item is John M. Clayton Elementary Pickleball. I'm not going to belabor this issue. You heard Ms. Shaw Martin ask for an 8, um, eight by 16 backboard to be placed at the, uh, if you will, the rear of the tennis court, uh, which now houses, houses the 10 pickleball courts at John M. Clayton. She had contacted uh, the principal, Heather Kramer, who I need to turn around again. Do you have any issues? And that's what Cheryl said too. There were no issues. So that's before the board. Uh, it was brought up at Buildings and Grounds and suggested to bring to um, the meeting tonight for consideration. Okay. Does anyone have any questions? We even need a motion. So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. North Georgetown Elementary Library? Yes, I do have uh, uh, Principal Rodriguez is here. If he wants to join me, did he bet? 
Mike, do you, it's any of the others here? Okay. Um, in your board packets, there should be discussion and a presentation that was made to Buildings and Grounds last Monday night concerning the structure to be put in the North Georgetown Library to increase the interest in reading in that school. The structure, and there is a picture, uh, picture should be included as well, is um, about 10 feet high, and it's eight by eight, and it uh, looks like a castle. Is that fair? Um, the money is coming from Minor Cat, or suggested to come from Minor Cat. Am we missing any other highlights? And the mic here. At this point, we've emptied the library. We started to paint the library. Uh, one of the biggest things that we needed to replace was the carpet, which is what we discussed at the committee meeting. Anyone have any questions? Mr. Booth. The price, uh, the price of $7,500 was for the carpet and the, and the molding, not for the castle, the castle-like structure. Are any questions? Are we replacing carpet or adding carpet? Uh, this is a this is a price to replace the carpet. Okay, but I thought I don't refresh my memory. I thought we went around and took carpet out of out of classrooms, out not of the classroom. library. Because of issues. Joe, that's that's my concern also. You know, going back a few years, we went to great lengths to make sure that all the carpet was removed from that building. <coughs> and now there's another group coming to ask us to put some back in. Right. That was a, it was a program that, if you will, I inherited or came in the middle. And my understanding was it replaced all the carpet in the classrooms. No, I don't. I didn't. No, I, I didn't. I didn't know anything about replacing the carpet in the in the library. Okay. Well, my recollection recollection is that what we were going to do is we were going to replace the carpet mm -hmm. in the school. And I thought that's what we were doing, and now we've come up upon this. I don't have any problem with, you know, what they want to do, you know, fixing up the building. You know, it's a great idea, and a lot of people are going to do a lot of work, you know, to make sure that happens. It, but, it, can I? Yeah. It is a great project, and I'm all for <coughs> it. We did replace all the carpet, or all the carpet in the classrooms. Classroom. Now, I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong, Mr. Booth, but I think that carpet in that library has been replaced one time. Has it? I don't know. Now, I made a suggestion, I don't know if, it, if anybody was interested in it or not, of having an area of carpet around the castle with the rest of it being tile. I don't know how that works. I don't know what Mr. Rod how Mr. Rodriguez feels about that. I, I don't know. I just uh, thought that we were trying to get away from carpet because it was a health hazard and different things. That's the reason we, went, we wanted to get it out, out of the classrooms. I, I'm just asking because I know library needs to be a quiet place and I understand that. So I just threw that idea out. I'm for the project. I just kind of wanted to hear a response on that. Well, we wanted to have a seating place for the students, but we want to renovate it. If it's tile, I'm okay with that. We could make it work. And what I'm suggesting maybe, I know that 
maybe right around it, it could need something. I, I know they suggest I said something about an area and they were talking about that could be a hazard. I can see that, but maybe some carpet in the immediate vicinity of this castle with tile, so it ties in together. So there's so there's no tripping issue or anything like that. But I'm just suggesting. I'm only asking. I'm not. It's not going to sway my vote one way or the other. So I'm, I'm kind of just asking your thoughts on it. I think we could make that work. Well, I don't want you to do it because of me. I'm just, I'm just asking if you think that that makes some sense. That, that would be my, my thought on this. Well, the teacher, the, the project's been teacher-led in general, so I've supported what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, but if we're removing carpet throughout the district and that's the goal, then we'll just put in tile. If, if that's acceptable, then we'll make it work. And I can put a uh, throw rug somewhere around the, the castle. Could make that work. Mr. Booth, what, what, what do you think the price difference would be? Would that be a huge price difference to the, the, the tile? I believe would cost more than the carpet. So I, I'm not sure what. But I'm, I'm not sure. I don't have a price for you, but we can take a look at those options. It would all be minor cap uh, eligible. And uh, and again, I apologize. I didn't know we were taking carpet out of the, out of out of there. We would have gotten a price for that too. I don't know. Anybody else have any thoughts? I'm, um. Right or wrong, I think in the committee meeting, it was discussed to have carpet in the library because many of the students sit on the floor to read books and it's a lot more comfortable than sitting on tile floor. And, and that was the conversation whether we agree or not. I, I think that was the purpose of having the carpet. Right, but what I'm hearing the board discuss right now, uh, prior to their vote, is that they would like, to, like us to look at other options rather than recarpeting the, the whole library. Joe, you're hearing uh, that from I'm me. Hearing. I'm not, so I'm not I also, sure I'm I, speaking for everybody here. I'm, you're just hearing, you're hearing that from me. I don't yeah, know if just, I'm hearing uh, it from everybody. So, If carpeting is less than tile, obviously I think we have to take that in consideration. <laughs> right? In my opinion. Yeah. So clear, the whole project 7,500, and I'm seeing donations but 5887 is our cost of the 7500 right that's that's the minor cap yes so these other places walmart home depot pto are only coming up with about the uh, $1700 that's right and we have a a renowned artist former employee uh, currently starting to do the artwork, drawing some murals. So we have a lot of donated materials and time. Minor cap paid for the paint, and we would pay for the carpet or the tile or whatever that decision is made. You have money in your minor cap? Oh, yes. Is there a motion? We're still spending last year. I'll make a motion that we support this if, if they'll take a look at versus carpet and just they can make a decision is that a fair okay that's fair. motion is there, is there a second to the motion second okay motion made and second any discussion all in favor of the motion say aye aye, aye. aye. opposed that's unanimous thank you need a motion to table 4.08 until after executive session mr barley that's fine I mean, i'm okay with that but i think we also discussed playground inspections and the cost of that that said it was going to come to the board for uh, review that's what's in the yeah, minutes. We did, but it's not on the agenda. So uh, well, I'm not sure who was, why it didn't get put on the agenda, because I know that's what we discussed, and that's what shows up in the report. 
I don't, I don't think we were ready to bring it to the board for a decision. There were questions about who was going to co conduct the inspection as their motives to conduct the inspection and selling us equipment or attempting to sell us equipment and whatever, and I thought there needed to be some more discussion. Yeah, we th we, so we're we not going to pay? Okay. We're not going to pay that now, okay. no. No, we, we thought we had we should take more time, look into it to make sure that we had all the answers to the questions before we bring it to the board. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, there, no, it's, it's not being uh, approved, Miss Wright, through our channels. We'll bring that to the board when we, when we feel like uh, it's ready, we can answer all the questions of the board. So we're not signing a contract no. to pay any money? Okay. okay, thank you, Mr. Booth. Need a motion to table 4.08 till after executive session. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Uh, old business uh, 501 and 502 administrative positions and administrative salaries. Need a motion to table. So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Committee reports, athletic fields oversight. Mr. Hudson. Yeah, I think Mr. Booth covered everything that was on the agenda. Okay, thank you. Uh, comprehensive school safety, Mr. Layfield. No report. The finance will be covered later on. Curriculum, Mr. Hudson. Yes, we had uh, three major uh, points of discussion at our curriculum committee meeting. The first one was the immersion program. Uh, Mr. Steele presented the original documents for the Spanish language immersion program. The materials were presented to the Board of Education in 2011 prior to the implementation of the program in the 2012-13 school year. The plan was funded through Race to the Top and outlined programming for students through high school. Middle school principals and the director of curriculum will attend middle level training in Wilmington uh, June 26th through 28th. The team will present a middle school plan for immersion to the board no later than December of this year. Our second topic was preschool. Uh, the ECAP project village audit was returned to the district with a perfect score. So congratulations to, to those folks who work in that program. According to the representatives from the state, our program was the highest scoring program among all ECAP programs in the state. The current configuration for preschool programs in our district was reviewed at the meeting. Uh, the 2017-2018 preschool plans for Project Village and TOTS were reviewed. Dr. Carey will be working with both programs as we move into next school year. We will work to combine some of the resources in order to provide as much service as possible to students meeting the criteria for entry. Future funding sources for all preschool programs were discussed and will be further explored. Mr. Steele and Dr. Hudson suggested the need for a subcommittee to continue reviewing and refining preschool services. Mr. Doug Hudson was suggested as a board chairperson for the committee that would ultimately return to the board with a plan for services as we enter, as we enter into the 2018-19 school year. We also talked about consolidated grant application. A planning meeting will take place on Thursday, uh, the 29th. All board members are invited to attend. Title I parent committee feedback was shared with the group and was presented to the principals at their meeting on June 16th. A copy of the parent feedback is attached to the report. And lastly, uh, schoolroom materials, classroom materials for the 2017-18 school year will be available for the beginning of the school year. Dr. Hudson was successful in arranging payment options after the property tax receipts are available in October, and I want to thank her for her hard 
work on that, getting that done. That concludes my report. Okay. The board have any questions? Okay, thank you, Mr. Hudson. Mary Bailey Scholarship, Mr. Fritz. Um, really, I'm going to defer to Mrs. Steele on this. Uh, I'm assuming all applications have been received and pretty close to some money's probably going out pretty soon. Okay, because I know tuition bills have uh, started to be issued by colleges. That's it. Okay. Special Education Task Force, Dr. Statler. Thank you. I'd like to ask Dr. Owens and Mrs. Hattier to come to the podium. So tonight we're pre presenting to the Board of Education our outcomes of our task force for the 16-17 school year. Um, all of our board members have in front of them the portfolio documents and there's a lot of information in there, much of which we will review this evening, but um, certainly there's things in there that we don't have time to go over. Um, with that being said, if anyone has any questions, certainly feel free to ask as we go through the information. Okay. In addition, at the um, end of our presentation, we will have this document available on our district website as well for anyone um, to be able to view. Dr. Bunning, along with a small group of administrators, generated the idea of a special education task force during the 15-16 school year, and I was asked to chair the group. Um, with Mr. Hudson's approval, as he was board president at the time, the task force was officially formed in April of 2016. Several of our task force members are here this evening and include Lee Argo from Millsboro Middle, Sally Benner from Indian River High School, Kelly Collins Vickers from Lord Baltimore, Mrs. Hattier from Sebbyville Middle, Jessica Hudson from Millsboro Middle, Regina Izzo from IREC, and Paige Lyons from Howard Tienes. Dr. Owens and Dr. Brittingham served as consultants to the group this year. The purpose of the task force was to examine our current practices through system transparency in order to strengthen our operations in the division. This included many components, including um, looking at our current systemic challenges, developing a priority framework based on students and families, and increasing knowledge of and adherence to federal guidelines that impact our services across all facets of operation for this division. Meetings were held on a monthly basis or oftentimes more frequently uh, as our activities often dictated. The task force felt it was important to develop a portfolio to present to the board, the district, and really to the community in general, um, hence the document you have in front of you. It allowed us to document the progress and the outcomes of our work and really formalized our commitment to the project in a very tangible way. As you will see in tonight's information, the task force was a very unique partnership uh, for me as a board member and for Dr. Owens and Dr. Brittingham as our administrators for special education. What we developed really transcends any expectations that I think any of us had of the project. As you can imagine, and I've said this um, numerous times in different settings, self-evaluation is not always a very comfortable process, but necessary. Um, in addition, Dr. Owens and Dr. Brittingham began their positions in the department after the task force was established, so that was another unique factor. Our journey this year has really allowed us to grow in ways that none of us anticipated as a group. Um, we developed trust for the process and certainly uh, for one another through transparency, measures of accountability, and truly just hard work. 
As such, many areas that were identified as needing support were able to be addressed right away by the district. And in my opinion, this speaks volumes about that partnership. Numerous times throughout this year, we often referred to ourselves as partners for progress. And again, I think that you will see that reflected in the document. One of the first things we accomplished together was a vision and a mission statement for the department. We felt very strongly that our team needed this. In addition, uh, we put together a flowchart of services to help clarify roles within the department. And in early fall, we developed strategic directions, goals, and objectives for the school year in addition to working committees. These were foundation components, again, that um, were not existent before this year. So uh, we needed those things to be able to start to develop the other pieces as the year went along. Um, so it certainly was a significant task and an undertaking at the beginning of the year. Dr. Birdingham um, and Dr. Owens worked tire tirelessly on this. Um, and I'll ask uh, Mr. Birding uh, sorry, Mr. Owens <laughs> to share a few of those highlights for us. So if you're following along on the PowerPoint, it's after the mission and vision. If you're in your booklet, uh, page 12, and I'm not going to read all this to you, but um, we are really, really proud of the work that was accomplished this year. And you can see the overarching uh, goals of the strategic plan, provide oversight to the department, um, provide staff development, number two, utilize our fiscal resources well, and three, four, foster positive relationships with our special education community, and five, promote equity for our students with special needs. And um, we're really proud of those accomplishments, and you can see we've uh, added into that particular document there of 12 through 18 or so the accomplishments that uh, occur. In addition to that, we uh, worked with our special education coordinators to formulate committees that uh, looked at areas that we felt we were in need of growth or refinement, and the special education coordinators took on leadership roles uh, to uh, use those committees to uh, help our department grow and to refine what we're doing this year, and that committee work will continue into next year. So we're very proud of that. Ideas began to formulate on ways to capture information, and as that developed, we felt it was important to facilitate um, our culture even further that embraces diversity, respect, and awareness, and also identifies our success stories. For as much as we want to improve certain areas, it's also imperative that we celebrate all the ways that we're getting it right, and we found so many ways this year. As such, we developed the Special Education Week initiative that was held from February 27th to March the 3rd, and we're very proud of the things that happened during that week. Um, Dr. Owens, you can share a few of those. I'll just give you uh, five bullet points and then one major event, and what I like to say most of all is this was a collaborative effort between our schools, our principals, our special education teachers. They each formed committees within those schools, and you've heard a little bit about that, specifically back in February when we were um, honoring those folks. But the work that was done is really because of uh, their efforts and their commitment to uh, students with special needs and, and, and honoring uh, that week. Uh, some of the things we had to spread the word end the word campaign. We had selection and recognition of special education ambassadors. I'll talk a little bit more uh, about that in a second. We had informational displays in the buildings on parent-teacher conference nights, daily bulletins in our buildings, and a podcast regarding special education initiatives. Um, 
overall, we felt that the planning and the implementation of this and just the overall uh, output here was, was well received and we were very proud of that week. Uh, one of the biggest things, as you were all a part of, um, on the, during the February board meeting, we had uh, an amazing set of ambassadors that were honored. There were 271 staff members who nominated 133 of their colleagues from which 16 were selected, and, and you were here for that. The task force felt that the ambassadors who were chosen carry a positive message of inclusiveness and serve as role models for the colleagues in the community, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Our ambassadors clearly support the mission to allow students with identified disabilities to become successful learners ready to fulfill their lifelong goals, and we are very, very proud of that group, and they have helped us beyond the recognition that night, that, uh, that evening, They've helped us beyond that with various committees, and we call on them frequently when we have questions and need advice about uh, our direction for the Department of Special Services. So we thank them today again. As we move into the data gathering section, many folks are aware that the task force developed a series of parent focus groups this past academic year. And it really was an initiative for our parents, guardians, family members, anyone um, to come and have an open dialogue with us about special education within the district. There were four sessions offered throughout the year, and the task force developed guiding questions for those meetings. Numerous parents attended, and from those conversations, we developed 13 themes for consideration. I know we don't have enough time to go through all of those, um, but I would like to ask Mrs. Hattier to highlight a few of those. Certainly, thank you. Um, parents would like more resources to help support their children. This might include online resources, explanations of various testing procedures, and general information about the IEP process. Another theme was parents would like guidance on how to advocate appropriately for their children. A good deal of confusion can exist, particularly when students are newly identified. Um, another theme is parents would like steps to prepare for the IEP meeting. Many parents fear, feel overwhelmed and anxious during the first meeting. Another theme, non-English speaking families need more time during the IEP process and we want to make sure there are no gaps in understanding for these families. The next theme, parents would like to see enhanced follow-up measures after the IEP has been put into place. Such follow-up would constitute a more proactive approach. Next theme, additional time and resources needed for teachers. A common theme throughout the parent discussions was that they feel certain that their children's teacher wants the best for them but recognize that they may not always have adequate time or resources to accomplish that. Next theme, a district guide or brochure to, to services would be beneficial, particularly as we look to further align our services. Next theme, the final theme, and finally, mentoring for special education teachers should be considered. We have a lot of wonderfully seasoned teachers who can support our new teaching staff. Thank you. Another initiative was our SWOT analysis that was completed in late fall. This tool allowed us to identify our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats as it relates to our special education services. There were almost 300 forms completed by our district employees. 
information was, um, much like our other areas, it was compiled into common themes. And this really was a wealth of information for us. Um, Mrs. Hattier, would you like to share a few of those? Certainly, under strengths, um, we have meeting our students' need is our top priority. Teamwork exists, is noticed, and celebrated. Teachers and staff are invested in their students in ways that far exceed any requirements on paper. Collaboration is embraced. We promote an environment where students can feel comfortable and think independently. All, stu all students can learn and our teachers embody a we can attitude. Under weaknesses, there's a lack of consistency in some areas of our IEP writings. Teachers can and do feel overwhelmed at times with the number of students with special needs in their classrooms. Howard T. Ennis, facilities are inadequate. There are a lot of um, strategies and resources for students with behavioral challenges. Technology gaps prevent students from being able to access information. Stressful family structures exist for, for some students. Staff members from related services are stretched thin. And gaps exist in the consistency of transition services. Under opportunities, it was noted that team teaching is a best practice and can be expanded. Options for more creative scheduling does exist. The Parent Council is a terrific partner for our district. Possibilities currently exist for students to flourish in new ways through increased student-directed activities and staff-monitored learning. Topics can be expanded for Professional Development Day and utilization of technology can be increased and there are opportunities through programming for social skills strengthening. And under threats, financial considerations exist. There are currently complex diagnoses and behavioral impacts. There is outdated equipment and not, and not enough space and potential litigation is always a factor. Thank you. Another source of data for the task force was our special education survey that was available to both internal and external stakeholders. This was opened in the spring and there were over 400 participants, which we were very pleased with. Um, data charts are provided in the board's document. I won't go through all of those, uh, but again, Mrs. Hattier will highlight a few of the things that we learned from our survey. Okay, certainly. There's a great deal of support for the recently established autism program in the district, and this area should be considered for expansion in the future. The current practice of using duly certified teachers in the classroom needs to be explored for continued feasibility. General education teachers need knowledge of and support for working with special education students as well. Mental health concerns exist, as such, it would be beneficial for staff to have relevant training opportunities and, and in-classroom strategies. Discipline is an area of importance and is related to consistency and appropriateness. Variations exist and there are opportunities to close this gap. Howard Tienis is an aging facility and efforts should continue to obtain a new building for these students. The G.W. Carver facility needs increased supports. As such, a working group may be appropriate 
moving forward to formulate new ideas coupled with, re with research into best practice alternative settings to determine next steps. The final section of the document outlines trend areas with recommendations, which are grouped into four primary areas. Support and development for teachers and staff, program development, utilization of resources, and celebrating success. Um, a couple of things I'll mention that we haven't touched on. Team classrooms continue to be important, and efforts in that area should be expanded. In addition, supports may need to be enhanced for praxis-only certified teachers so that they can feel more comfortable in their role and in their classrooms. A special education manual for staff will help to strengthen our consistency, and Dr. Owens and his staff are already working on this. Mental health resources are so vital for our students because we want them to be ready to learn each day that they come into our buildings. The Carver Academy and Ennis are very unique buildings we know in our district. Efforts focused on acquisition of a new facility are so, so important for Ennis right now. And for Carver, we are recommending establishment, as Mrs. Hattier said, of a work group that can compile our best practice information and make recommendations for future directions within that program. Transition uh, services are important, we know, at all levels. We recommend expanding those. Um, and I believe that work, again, in this area has already started by uh, Dr. Owens. And lastly, while the task force recognizes the, certainly the ongoing duty to identify areas in need of strengthening, we don't want to forget again how important it is to recognize the many success stories that occur and really to cultivate those opportunities that foster a climate that embraces diversity in our school district. As such, we know that Special Education Week will continue moving forward and also recognition of our ambassadors, um, which I believe next year we may try to extend, um, expand to some of our community partners. I do want to express my deep appreciation to Mrs. Hatter and Dr. Owens and his whole team, many of who are uh, here this evening. Their leadership truly has been incredible. Um, it's been my pleasure to work with all of them this year, and I feel very thankful for their willingness to embrace the project. Uh, we've made a lot of accomplishments in a very, very short time. Does anyone have any questions or comments for the team? Yes. I do. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was the TAM teaching or team teaching concept, yes. which I do believe does work and can work. Um, is it being explored then to find out why in elementary schools you have a special ed teacher teaching an entire classroom by herself? Dr. Owens? Yeah, we examined that as part of our um, our work throughout the, the district at the second half of the year, Dr. Brittingham met with all the principals, looked at their schedules, their staffing, and you've been part of some of those discussions. The efforts are to move towards team classrooms with two teachers, one of which, both of which sometimes are certified in special education, duly certified, or at least one uh, regular ed and one special ed teacher. So the movement is in that direction. Okay, so we're gonna get away from the single teacher doing the entire classroom herself or himself. Correct, and those recommendations okay. are um, in the report. Okay, and then the other question I have is about the praxis. I didn't think you could get a special ed certification anymore by praxis, or are they still allowing that? I respectfully default to uh, Celeste on that. I know she can answer that. Um, but I will tell you that one of the recommendations was to provide support for our teachers who may be grandfathered in under right. the old praxis rules and we certainly should provide support for those teachers to ensure 
that they have all the resources needed in their, their toolkit. Right. Dr. Javier, that is true now. We do have many teachers who are grandfathered in, but moving forward, there is the test and coursework. Okay, so now you can't do practice no. anymore. Mm -hmm. Right, in that case, bringing those other teachers up is definitely something that, that should be done. So Absolutely. thank you for what you've done. I appreciate it on behalf of the students. Um, let's get consistency in all the buildings as opposed to the variability, which has been around since forever. Every building should basically be just about the same, which is what Dr. Bunning did with horizontal and vertical integration. Notice I'm using jargon tonight, okay, as she did about 10 years ago. The only time you catch me using jargon. Okay. Uh, Mr. Owens, Thank you. With the, with the duly certified teacher, I'm assuming that this is not going to be all done in one year. Uh, is that what's your thought on that? We we discussed that with the principal. So a lot of that was up to their building structure and their capacity with with staffing and what they felt was in the best needs of their school. So we allowed them to make those decisions. You know, obviously you can't turn the boat around in, in one particular year. So we really leaned on them to give us that expertise. So I can't say for every building how that looks, but um, you know, I I would think that we wouldn't. You know, with the emphasis, make a drastic change. Right. The emphasis is moving in that direction as quickly as possible based on the school and what they can That's accomplish. That's correct. correct. Can we say that that will happen within two to three years in all of the buildings? I can say with absolute certainty that every year we'll look at that and, and push in that direction to make sure that we are providing, because we know that that is, based on our experience, that that is going to provide the best possible service. I will think within a couple of years we can get there. Now, I will tell you what... Uh, Celeste just shared with us may limit the pool of special educators coming coming to us. So yes. we will still need to work with them as well as our higher education facilities to make sure we're, we're, we're receiving students coming out of those, those facilities that are ready to teach in our classrooms. So that is going to be um, a, a hurdle that we may have to overcome. All right, and one other thing just for kicks. Are any other districts doing anything remotely like this? Not that I'm aware of. I've had a couple of, of other districts approach me about uh, the project because they're interested in doing their own, uh, but none are doing it yet that I'm aware of. Right, because it would strike me that if all the districts were putting more effort into this, that that would be an incentive to, let's say, U of D to come up with a better program than what they have and guide uh, young scholars in that direction. Good point. I'd like to thank Dr. Staller for being willing to chair this committee and working with our administrators and our teachers. Um, so I think it went very well and accomplished a lot. So congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. I got a question. The old system, uh, I've helped some parents and things. It was really hard to understand and all over the place. Uh, will this new system, will it get the changes in place that will help the average parent, you know, with their children and get through this process? Because I did, when I did it last year with some people, it was just it was all over the place. I would certainly hope so. I mean, you are going to, in most team classrooms, which is the direction we're heading, you're going to have exposure to a gen ed teacher and a special ed teacher who will, uh, in all likelihood, have a caseload of, you know, anywhere from uh, five or six students up to 12 to 15. And that teacher will be responsible for ensuring that the IEP is implemented with complete fidelity and the supports are provided to that student on a daily basis that they, uh, they need to, uh, to overcome any disability and that is outlined within the IEP. 
Mr. Hudson, we've received a lot of great recommendations that you'll find in the report as well about ways that we can strengthen those resources and communication for parents. I know that um, Dr. Brittingham and I have spoken about a number of those that they're already starting to implement. And I think that's, again, part of the um, great thing about the project, that many of the things that we found when we went to the parent focus groups and talked to teachers and um, other folks, we were able to start putting those things in place right away. So I know that you'll start to see some increased communication in that area, definitely. Yeah, I'd, just, I'd like to acknowledge that Dr. Birmingham invested a great deal of time and energy and expertise into educating our principals around this area and we'll be working with those teachers moving into next year to ensure not only those classrooms are set up how they are intended but she and uh, Mrs. Izzo will work to provide professional development so that the classrooms are operating uh, as efficiently in the way that they're, they're envisioned to, to run. My, my only question Dr. Owens or Dr. Statler or anyone involved is are we finding the uh, openness and commitment by the building principal so that we can have a more uniform way of doing business across the board because I think that and I, know, I know nothing about special ed but I do know that we need a more uniform way of doing business across the board to benefit uh, the kids and the teachers consistency was part of um, the task force the goals to be able to identify those um, gaps in consistency and to bring that closer and I think the work that even we've done over in the board on the board over the past few months um, with different areas, we've been trying to bring it a little more consistent. Dr. Owens? Yeah, we, principals are very, as you know, principals are extremely busy people, and we ask them to wear many hats and to be experts in lots of different fields, and it's very difficult, unless you were a special ed teacher or were involved with that, to know the intricacies of special ed programming. Dr. Brittingham has made it her, her job here over the last several months to work with them, to educate them, and, and I don't want to speak for the principals here, but. I can assume that there's some head shaking behind me that they learned a lot from her and how to structure a schedule that they never really knew about because we never asked them to. So I think we've opened a dialogue that has not been opened in the past and I would hope that that's appreciated and we will continue to expand that knowledge base for our principals. They deserve that, but they're so busy with everything they're trying to do, they often can't delve as deep into that as they'd like unless we put someone with an expertise in front of them to help them. Okay, in lines with that, okay. Um, since the building administrators and anybody who's been doing special education five, ten years ago is not necessarily aware of what it is like today. It's like the medical field that changes by leaps and bounds, okay? You have a dedicated special ed department right now with people working to improve all of this stuff. The building administrator largely has the ability to set things the way he or she wants them to. At what point does the special ed department have the clout to go in and say, this is the best practice, change it. I think that's part of what this research this year has been able to, um, you know, for us to be able to have some of that true data and information okay. that we can kind of uh, facilitate those changes. I think Dr. Owens would agree with me. I'm not aware of any uh, resistance that we experienced from the principals. I think that was it's, welcomed with open arms. It's expanding that knowledge base so they know exactly how to, to best meet the needs of those students. I'm just saying that I don't feel as if a lot of the, the building administrators, no disrespect to them, because like you said, they're up to their eye teeth and all kinds of other stuff. Um, but since a lot of these things change, and I've asked for a couple of years now that we have a special ed uh, seminar of some type at the kickoff meetings as opposed to another rah-rah session. 
we've, we've got plans already in place for okay. professional development. As early as the very beginning of the school year, we've got some exciting things planned. And I think it's our job, my job as the director of the department, to make sure they're as well informed as possible. We present at the beginning of the year as well as at principal meetings, and Dr. Brittingham meets one-on-one -on -one with those. So we will continue to embrace that and make sure we provide them with the knowledge. And again, they've been very receptive to the information that we're providing. And I think they're, they're, they're eager to get started on this next journey with a, with a, with a little bit of a different uh, platform to serve students. So if I hear you correctly, they're welcoming, welcoming these changes with open arms and you're not receiving any pushback from any school building administration? The only pushback that I can say that we may have received is not wanting to make a wholesale shift in staffing in one year. And I think that's smart. I think that they looked at it strategically and said, this is the step I can take in year one, year two, and year three. So it doesn't completely disrupt the staffing. I don't know if I would call that resistance. And along with that, I would almost envision this kind of being a living document. It's just not going to be set on the shelf. Right. And you will be probably expanding on this and growing and going back and referring to this over time. What's exciting is that when we looked at the results of the, the task force, and I had not seen them until Dr. Statler organized them for us and we reviewed, but it was, it was very exciting because a lot of the things that we had worked towards all year and the, the, the outcomes that the task force needed, we had accomplished or are working on or have in place for next year. So there are a few things that were very eye-opening that we will put into place for next year. And again, it would be very fluid, but we're very excited about the things that we were able to accomplish that align specifically to the surveys and the conversations that occurred uh, via the task force. Again, speaking for someone who doesn't know special ed, could we, and I don't know, you guys can decide what regular basis, give us reports back on how things are going and being implemented. Dr. Owens and I um, actually spoke, it's funny that you mentioned that earlier today about some strategic directions and goals and um, things that we're you know, looking to put, put in place for next year. So. The task force, um, you know, we don't feel like our work is truly over because now we have to, some of these recommendations, certainly move forward with the steps to, you know, to begin to put them in place. So I think there will be regular updates if Mr. Byerly is comfortable with that. So we have, I know, an upcoming board retreat. At that, I hope to have the 2017-2018 strategic plan outlined for you to share briefly. You can ask questions at that point, but this year we kind of used the curriculum committee as a platform to share out. I'd like to take more advantage of that next year, and I know we have regular meetings scheduled with Dr. Statler to keep her abreast of what's happening in the department as well. Anyone else have questions? Okay, thank you, Dr. Statler, thank on your you. committee. Thank you. Uh, policy committee has two policies coming for the board tonight, first being IKA, our grading system. 
Uh, with this one change dealing with the selection of the valedictorian and salutatorian, um, as you know, we had ties at both of our high schools this year. The change being when there is a tie, we're going to take the GPA out four decimal points out to the 10,000th place. And uh, my understanding is this should take care of any ties we're hoping in the future. Um, also is uh, KBB, Freedom of Information Act. Uh, two major changes, uh, one being um, changing the cost. Uh, first 20 pages um, are free, then 10, 10 cents after that. Also removing uh, reference to microfilm and going to electronic formatted data. Um, the other major change is moving from 10 days to 15 days, business days, uh, the time the district has to respond to a FOIA request. I would make a motion to approve both policies as presented. Is there a second? Second. second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. IREA rep? Not here. Okay. Uh, superintendent's report, Mr. Steele. Yeah, Mr. Barlow, my special activities I have uh, posted <coughs> for the board uh, to peruse at uh, any time, and that's all that I have under the report for June. Okay. Financial, Mrs. Steele. You need a motion to pay the regular invoices for the month so of. Moved. Second. <clears throat> okay. Thank you. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Mrs. Steele. Yes, good evening. Um, we went through the financial reports um, in a lot of detail during the Finance Committee, so I'm just going to hit um, some of the major topics. Um, for our revenue, we've received about 95% of our budgeted revenue. At this point, we have one month of tax revenue remaining, and then the final state um, salary payment. Our interest revenue is up about $50,000 this year. With taxes and or with interest and penalties on the taxes we've received, we've actually received um, over 100% of our budgeted tax revenue. And I do have the assessment for next year, and it's up about 3.5%. Um, our expenses were 92% um, of the year has been completed. Um, total operating expenses are about 89% of the budget. Um, Howard T. Ennis's expenses are about 71% of their budget, and the special education expenses are at 93% of their budget. Major cap, um, Georgetown Elementary is the only remaining construction project still pending, and I believe the final contracts um, are being finalized. I have three um, final payment requests for the month of May, John L. Briggs, $54,184, L. Wilson Masonry, $31,777, and Thompson and Sons, $21,680. Um, an update on the Howard T. Ennis project. Um, I did receive notification from um, OMB that um, we will not be getting planning money this next year as we anticipated. Um, the state does not have those additional funds to grant us. Um, the other issue is right now we're up in the air as to which piece of property um, we would be building on. There are two pieces of property, both 
um, at the Stokely Center area, um, one across the street from Sussex Central, and then one down on the corner, um, Patriots Way and Avenue of Honor. Um, the legislators are, have gotten involved and are um, going to write legislation in the bond bill to transfer whichever property the state sees fit um, to the district um, as of June 30th. Um, we will get planning money as of now. They've promised us planning money the following year. Um, our CN will um, be signed after July 1st, which gives us a whole nother year um, of acceptance, and um, that way it can be put into the bond bill for next year. Mrs. Steele, the, yes. the land situation there, the yes. two different properties, that's no fault of ours. Not the legislators all. got involved to help, and now there's communications back and forth. We were prepared to go with either one of those properties, yes. so the delay is at no fault of the district whatsoever. Absolutely, it's state. Absolutely okay. not. And, and I've talked um, several times with the planning office in Dover, and they are proceeding with our um, plan for the um, triangular piece of property. Um, they said that way, if they get approval for either one, we can take whichever one the state deems the best property for us to use. So at this point, um, Joe is doing a lot of follow through with um, water and sewer and that type of thing for both pieces of property. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions about NS? Um, the only other thing is um, minor cap. We will carry over about $1.5 million into next year for minor cap funds. Part of that is from two years ago and parts from this past year. Um, and then our expenses for minor cap for May were $59,450.61. Any questions? No questions. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the next thing on the agenda, I believe, is the tax rate proposal. Um, I believe you all have a copy of um, what I am recommending for tax rates for next year. Um, the current expense um, would go from $1.86 to $2.35, and that is our $0.49 cent referendum. Um, expense. Um, the debt service would go from 0.216 cents to 0.194. Um, that's a decrease of approximately two cents. Debt service is set according to what our payments will be for the next year. Um, tuition um, currently is 0.47 and I am projecting um, 52 cents. That is an increase of five cents for next year. Minor cap would go from 0.032 to 0.033. That's based on the um, minor cap funds right now in the bond bill that um, I checked with OMB. They do not see that that dollar amount will change. Um, there's still a chance that June 30th, any of this could change. So I would like it proved now um, and if there are any changes after June 30th, we may have to come back and revisit the taxes. 
Okay. Are there Mrs. Steele, the tuition, we control the tuition, correct? We do. It's based on our expenses. Um, and there's detailed information in this packet as to what our tuition expenses were last year and what I'm projecting for next year. Um, the past year, we um, lowered our tuition tax by 11 cents. Um, and then our tuition went up $2 million this year. So um, we do need to increase it by a small amount. The fact that um, the debt service is going down by $0.02 cents and tuition would go up by $0.05 cents leaves a net difference of approximately $0.03 cents increase. But it's an increase. It is an increase. That we control. That we control. We don't, but we control setting the rate. We don't control the funds or the expenses. It's based on um, billings we receive from other districts for special needs programs, as well as um, our own program at Howard Tienes. Um, it includes homebound instruction. It includes our autism program. It includes any private placement um, that is approved by the state um, for students that need um, inpatient locations to best meet their needs. So again, a year ago we lowered it 11 cents. Mm -hmm. and this year we're talking 5 cents up. Mm -hmm. Still 6 cents lower than a year ago. Yes. Are salaries paid out of this? The only salaries that are paid out of um, this or um, part of the autism salaries are paid out of that and then part of our intensive learning center salaries are paid out of it. Uh, now I didn't think of this idea. It was told to me but I'll ask the question. If a teacher is with special ed students all day long mm -hmm. and that's all they teach, could their salary be paid out of this? It could be, it could be, but right now we do not have enough income in tuition to be able to pay all the special education salaries out of that funding. Well, it, it also depends, uh, Mr. Fritz, on the level of special education those students are, whether okay. or not that money can be yes, used. Yes, they would have to be intense or complex. Techni technically, if they meet, mm -hmm. some teacher salaries could be paid out of tuition yes. monies. Yes. So there, there and is some of our ILC positions are paid out of this funding. Mm -hmm. So there are opportunities there to relieve some budgetary expenses for some yes. positions that would qualify. Yes, we are doing that wherever you're able. Okay. But I wonder why we didn't see that last year when we lowered it. By 11 cents. Yeah, are we always making a decision on prior year's numbers or are we making decisions on projections for the upcoming? Um, you look at, at the prior year expenses but then project off of that. And, and if we end up with excess money at the end of the year, that has to be given back? We can't. No, we use that as like a, a carry forward dollar amount for the next year. So I guess the question is, if we hadn't lowered it by 11 a year ago, we actually, we, would, we wouldn't need this increase. Right, 
Right. And I think part of that um, has to do with the fact that we were in transition and, um, you know, we had an outside person who may not know the district as well um, helping to set those rates. The tuition rates in previous years, what was the fluctuation in pennies, like, historically? Give me, do you, do you have the information from two or three years prior to last no, year? No, I, I do not have that. I don't have that, but I certainly can get it for you. I think last I year, do you remember Sanders, Mark? The last year, the, the 11 cent drop last year, I thought was a, a big drop compared to what I'd right. seen in years before. I, I will tell you just from what I've seen in the last three and a half years, four years that I've been in the district at central offices, your tuition tax tends to fluctuate because it depends on right. the number of special ed kids you have at those particular levels. So that's the one of the, the, the four taxes that, that we set that you're going to see more fluctuation. Right. And then, of course, as you pay things off, your debt service will go down much like a mortgage. Minor cap is relatively stable, Stays. right around the same amount. Right. And the current expense is going to be whatever we set the current expense, either after a referendum, you know, before another referendum takes place. And but I the think tuition does fluctuate more than the others. And I think you find that in, in talking to other school districts, you find we all have that one tax that fluctuates more than any of the other taxes. Right. Do we have any other questions about the school tax proposal? Not. We need a motion to approve. I make a motion. So uh, second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. We have uh, one final application payment to Degley Obese for Georgetown Elementary for $43,814. We need a motion to pay for that. So, second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. And um, um, the only other thing in your um, packet is um, a copy of our Community Budget Oversight Committee. We had um, 36 applicants. Um, we chose 10. Um, I think we have a, a well-rounded group of people. Mark and I are going to meet with them on Wednesday evening. Um, just a meet and greet at this point. And there's um, training for them in July, the financial board training. They'll have the same training that the board members have. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to get this up and running and get some input. Anyone have any questions? Okay, thank you. Communications, Mr. Steele. Yeah, Mr. Barley, we do have one um, use of facility request, uh, Sussex Central High School Auditorium, three classrooms on Sundays beginning September 3rd, 2017 through September 2nd, 2018 by, by the Discover Church. We would need a motion. So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. We now come to the second public comment segment of the meeting. Is there anyone in the audience who wishes to make a public comment? Seeing none, we need a motion for executive session. So moved. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Thanks. Need a motion? So moved. Okay. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Personnel agenda. Need approval excluding 10. Fifth. 
That's right. That's right. <clears throat> okay, let me start again. Personnel agenda, excluding 1, 10, 52. That's it. So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Item number one. Is there a motion? Motion to approve. Second. second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? Opposed. Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? I'll abstain. Mr. Doug Hudson? No. Mr. James Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Dr. Statler? No. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Seven yes, two no, one abstention. Motion passes by a majority vote. Item number 10. Motion to accept. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Abstain. Dr. Javier? Yep. Mr. Doug Hudson? Yes. Mr. James Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Dr. Statler? Abstain. Mrs. Wright? Abstain. Seven yes, zero no, three abstentions. Motion passes by a majority vote. Item number 52. Motion to approve. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstain. Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Abstain. Dr. Hadia? Yes. Mr. Doug Hudson? Yes. Mr. James Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. That's nine yes, zero no, and one abstention. Motion passes by majority vote. Need a motion to approve the addendum. So moved. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Contractual agenda. Need a motion for approval. So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. <coughs> Administrative salaries update. Need a motion to approve. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Somebody second? Second. Okay. I'm sorry. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstention. Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hadia? Abstain. Mr. Doug Hudson? Yes. Mr. James Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Abstention. Mr. Peden? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Eight yes, zero no, two abstentions. Motion passes by a majority vote. Under litigation, need a motion to approve the uh, request for 19-1. So, so moved. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? 
All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. That's it, isn't it? At least, uh, I think that's just, it. We got the tax rate, Charlie. Tax rate request. Okay. So we the said tax we, rate request. We'll wait to do yeah. that in July. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, uh, no further business. Come before the board. The meeting's adjourned.